Welcome to the Step Change Podcast from me, Mike Foster, the Entrepreneur's Mentor. My podcast is established to help you with your thoughts in the development of your business. The Step Change Podcast today is entitled The Entrepreneur's Journey. And in this episode, I'm joined by Michael Pawley, who's going to share his journey as well as some of his expertise around finance. Um, We'll explore why he started, what he's learned on the journey, the highs and the lows. So welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining us. Nice to be with you, Mike. So first of all, Michael, just uh, give us a a bit of an insight about you and and your current business. Okay, so uh, I qualified many, many moons ago uh, as an accountant, having originally thought I was going to be a solicitor. Uh, I read law at university, but uh, I I saw the light, I think, uh, whilst (laughs) at university. Uh, I trained with one of the big big 10, as it was, firms of accountants then down down in Bristol, which is where I'd been at university, Um, but very quickly decided that the accountancy profession wasn't for me. I wanted to be out there, get my hands dirty. Um, so two weeks after qualifying, uh, I left um, Thompson McClintock, now part of KPMG, uh, and went out into the big bad world um, with a subsidiary of Dunlop, um, part of their contracting division uh, that was involved in flooring and very, very quickly learned what it was like to be an accountant out in the industry. Um, you know, there were there were no fixed hours. Uh, the, the routine kind of came round and round. But 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 I didn't really enjoy. I spent about a year there, and in that year, Dunlop were taken over by BTR, uh, who are another big industrial conglomerate. But what I very quickly found was that big industry was not for me. Um, I felt very much like a cog, you know, in a, in a big machine, and you knew what you knew and you saw what you saw, but you could never get the big picture. Um, so I left there and I then spent the next um, about 18 years uh, working in, in SMEs uh, in, involved in property development uh, and construction. And then latterly uh, as the partner in a, in a large firm of architects responsible for, for running the business uh, and really got a feel for working in, in SMEs, the kind of needs uh, and demands of the non-finance people within a business. Uh, and really started to kind of get a buzz from that. Um, got to about 2003, and I was beginning to run a bit out of steam. Um, so the business I was in was had grown. It, it was a partnership. The other partners were generally fairly happy with where they got to, didn't have massive expansion plans and things like that. So we mutually decided that the, I'd kind of run my course there. I'd been there uh, nearly 14 years. Um, and I set a date of leaving of 31st of March 2004 without really knowing what I was going to do after that. Um, and after having had you know two, three months out, um, because I, I think I was a bit burnt out at that stage, um, I kind of then settled in, into what I'm doing now or what I'm doing for most of my time now, which is providing an outsourced part-time finance director, CFO service, call it what you will, to people who are looking to grow their business but can't afford, don't need somebody there full time. Uh, and that, you know, that caters for the vast majority of businesses in this country. You know, if you look at how many businesses or SMEs, then, you know, the, the, the field is, is kind of wide open. And I've been doing that ever since July 2004. Um, and, and, yeah. Here we are, seventeen years later. You know, <laughs> excellent. Can you can you remember where you were at the time when 
when you made that decision, no, I'm actually going to work for myself now. I'm going to go on this entrepreneurial route. Um, can you remember where you were? What sort of sparked that fuel? Yeah, fuel it, it, was, it, it was interesting. It was a conversation um, before I left the architect, actually, um, with the audit partner uh, of our auditors. And he and I, we, you know, I think they just signed off the year end accounts. Uh, and he and I were, were having a pint in a pub. Um, and he was just sharing with me some of his thoughts about what he did. And he said, you know, if I wasn't doing what I was doing now, what I'd like to do is this. And he outlined this idea, which I'd never even come across of, of being a, a kind of part-time finance director for, for small businesses. And I think I kind of lodged that thought away at the back of my head and thought, yeah, actually I, that would be really interesting, you know, working with a different group of people working with, you know, not just one business um and so i took that away and in that in that two three months that i kind of took off when i left back in 2004 that then materialized into a plan that yes this is something that i'm very capable of doing i think i would enjoy doing and i think there's a demand for doing and if you're an entrepreneur starting out in business then actually that's several of the boxes ticked straight away Mm -hmm. you know you've got to enjoy what you're doing somebody's got to need what what you're doing and actually you've got to be good at what you do uh, or at least appear to be good at what you do yeah, very good and in terms of your reasons for sort of starting your own business was it just that you decided that you wanted to do something on your own at that point yes yeah, so i think having worked worked for other people which um you know, it's a great environment to do it's a great learning environment but actually i wanted just that little bit more independence i also had this this crazy idea that i might only be able to work four days a week um (laughs) and and as my wife would would tell you that that spectacularly failed um because you know when you're working for yourself all of a sudden you you find that actually time is a is a resource that just seems to disappear so I, I had this idea and I thought, yeah, actually, I'm really going to enjoy being in control of everything myself, uh, being able to decide what I do and what I don't do, what, you know, clients that I'm happy to work with and people that I'm maybe not happy to work with. Whereas when you're working within a business, you know, you are, you're part of a team and that's a collective decision making. Um, so, yes, I think I, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Um, and, and it's not until recently that I've kind of it's dawned on me that I was. And am because you know you you start a business and you think well yeah I'm this is what I am I've got this very fixed idea of what I am but I never associated the word entrepreneur with it. Um, yeah, and it's actually a word I get challenged on being the entrepreneur's mentor. It's a word that I get challenged on quite often. I've now put the definition of an entrepreneur on the first part of my website, which is predominantly a business owner that's taking risks. Um, is is yeah. the, the basis the basis of it? So just taking you back then to those initial days. Um, you know, you decided now you're going to start your own business. What what was? Can you remember some of the first things that you did that you think actually these are big, some good tips to share with people? Yes, I, I mean I did a lot of research uh, and found that there were other people like me out there in the world. Um, that in fact at that time there were a number of um, larger um, businesses that um, brought together groups of of part-time FD. So uh, this is when I was doing my research as to what the business was. Um, And I spent a lot of time talking with people who I thought might be able to introduce me to potential clients. Again, when you work within a business, and particularly back in the early 2000s, um, networking and having a large network weren't really a thing. 
you know, you if you were the FD of a business, you, you know, you you knew the bank manager, you knew the solicitor, you knew the auditor, but you probably didn't have a big business network outside. So um, I'd come across lots of people, uh, um, and I spent a lot of time talking to them about the clients that they worked with and the, the the issues that they perhaps perceived with those clients. And bank managers were probably the most the most helpful because I think at that time. Um, you know, the bank managers were probably the ones who saw issues with clients, first of all. Solicitors mm-hmm. kind of came almost next because if, as trusted advisors, which is, again, is a term that didn't really come around till later, if people had problems, then quite often they would talk to somebody who they had consulted before, which might be their solicitor. And, and then interestingly, accountants were probably kind of last on my list because I think accountants and outsourced FDs at that time probably saw themselves in competition. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, you're going to look to take what I'm doing away from the client. And, it, and you know, that experience has shown that actually that's very rarely the case. Um, we might change the accountant if the accountant isn't the right one. But actually, it's more it's a relationship. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're an auditor or an accountant and you're working with a bigger client, that client will have an FD who is the person you typically relate to. Well, why shouldn't, you know, the 5, 10, 20, 30 man business work on the same footing? So yeah, I spent a lot of that that 2 3 months doing the research thinking, okay, yeah, th- this is this is something I can see and I can see a way to winning new business. Um and so yes, then it was all the things about okay, so do I trade as me or do I trade as a company? And I decided right from the start it's got to be a company. Mm-hmm. um company because i thought that could give me the scope to grow uh, and perhaps we might come back to growing later on um i thought it also gave professional credibility um and also in, then in terms of contracting you know it was going to be the company and another company or a partnership rather than me michael paulie uh, and, and 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 a business so yeah. i thought you know then it, it's much more commercially acceptable um so yeah the you know what to call the business you know many hours coming up with a logo and if i look back at my first logo i think oh my god really <laughs> you know <laughs> it looked fantastic at the time but you remember you know we're back in the early 2000s uh, yeah. and we have we've come on so far you know since since then um and and yeah so it was all it was all those things but having all those things ready to go on day one before then you kind of i actually set the company up um so that i wasn't i wasn't setting a company up and then having to change the name later i wanted to have all my ducks in a row before we got going um so yeah that you know it's a long time ago now it's 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 interesting to think back to that that time and over, over your journey um of time you know what would you say has been your biggest challenge as a, an entrepreneur business owner i think the, the biggest challenge has been knowing at what point um i've reached my own capacity uh, and that that comes back to the well this this marvelous idea of working four days a week and never that never quite being the case um so somewhere along the journey and quite early on i actually did join up with with one of the big aggregators uh, of part-time fds there was a company down at, down in bristol uh, who subsequently got got amalgamated into what probably the biggest uh, amalgamator now that the fd center and i spent quite a lot of time in there and of course there the capacity issue is, is kind of gone away because 
if, a, if an opportunity came my way and it really wasn't my area of expertise, etc. You know, there were many other people that I could pass it on to. But after I, I kind of came out of that environment because um, I was finding a lot of my own work and I had an opportunity with a client to kind of build up my days with that particular client. So I, I kind of left the FD Centre, took some clients with me by mutual consent. Um, and then I've come back to this, you know, this search, which I've been going on now for probably for the last four or five years of wanting to find somebody that I could work alongside that where we can provide mutual support. Mm -hmm. um, so my, my area of expertise is very much kind of people businesses. So, you know, lawyers, recruitment firms, um, serviced office providers, people who work very much as people businesses rather than perhaps retailers or manufacturers where they still exist. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've always been on the constant search for finding the right person, but never knowing at quite at what point it's right to take that person on and how mm -hmm. to work with them. And that, I think that's been my, my biggest challenge um all, all the way through and it, it's it still is a challenge for me it's something i, I still want to do but I haven't found that right person that yet. person yeah uh, and I, you know if i look at any of any of the businesses i've worked with that those growing pains of when do you recruit and what position do you recruit in and getting that right it's so easy to get it wrong which mm. is an enormously expensive mistake you know not only in terms of you know the you're bringing somebody in and inducting them and paying a salary for the first few months and then thinking oh it's not quite the right person perhaps we can change the person and before you know it you're a year in uh and and you've spent a lot of money and you think okay no we've got to change things so i've kind of always been hesitant about that um, yeah yeah i agree with that yeah quite a lot of the conversations i have with my clients around trigger points you know what's your trigger point that's going to trigger your recruitment and then yeah. quite often when we're having a conversation, they're thinking about employing this person. We sort of like actually tweak that job description, if you like, because it's perhaps just a perception of what they need rather than what they really need, yeah. um, which is really, really quite an interesting challenge yeah. in itself. Yeah. Let's, let's go to the other end of the scale. Then let's go to your best moment. What's your best moment as an entrepreneur so far? I, I think it, it's, well, it's kind of a series of moments, I think. And it, it's kind of, it's, been the fact that I've been able to build relationships with people who feel able to refer me in to, to either their own businesses or businesses that they know or work or work with and know that they're referring somebody in who's going to be able to meet the meet the expectations of the entrepreneur the business owner at, at the other end and it's it's a fairly small group of people but I think if I if I look back over the last 10 years then 95% of the businesses that, that I've, I've been introduced to have been through some kind of referrals. Um, and to me, that, that's a big thing because that's, that's the fact that somebody has got the confidence to put their, na their name to my name and say, yeah, this, this guy knows what he's doing. He can help you. Um, and, and I took a slightly courageous decision um, a few years ago that that I wanted to very much focus my expertise on a small number of software products. So, you know, software products, they're tools, tools of our business. Mm. Um, and 
I'd kind of, you know, accounting packages are, you know, there are myriad accounting packages out there. Sage, you know, used to be the dominant one. It was the Microsoft of the accounting world. Mm. But I decided very early on, um, there was a product that came across from New Zealand, which nearly everybody will have heard of now called Xero. I think they came into the UK in 2011. And I, I spotted them and kind of started using, using them for my own books. And then thought, actually, no, this is a good product. You know, they've got the right idea here. Um, dabbled with a few other products like QuickBooks and others along the way, but then very, very quickly came to the conclusion, no, it was better to be a kind of master of one than kind of know a little bit about lots of things. So we, um, I took the decision that if people wanted us to do their accounting bookkeeping, which is something we, we a service we added on uh, after a period of time, then zero was a precondition. Um, and and as you know, as a very very small business, I'm you know we've managed to get all the way up to to zero gold partner, which is kind of only like second level down down from their top. And we've invested a lot of. T- I, I took the decision that investing time in understanding that product inside out was going to be really important. And now the only clients that I work with who don't use it are the firms of solicitors that I work with because. Mm-hmm inevitably you know they need a slightly different accounting setup because of the because of client money but every other client i work with uses it and it's kind of yeah that's that that that's a big moment that was a big moment to take that decision but looking back on it it was absolutely the right thing to do yeah i I love it as a software myself i'm a big advocate Mm. you know i use it and recommend it to all my clients and one of the things i love about it is the ability to add apps to it to really really personalize it to the businesses that you're you're working with yeah you know, i know you, you've been sharing a lot of news of that on your social media about the apps that you use and personalize that for your experiences don't you? yeah uh, yes yeah absolutely because you know you, we can make the job of bookkeeping for if a client's doing their own bookkeeping we can actually make that really easy for them you know by by bolting on the right apps having integrations with their online website whatever they want to do there's probably an app for it out there <laughs> um and um zero you know zero are re- as a partner of Zero, they're very, very supportive to us in, in identifying what's the right one for a client uh, mm. if it's not if it's one we haven't worked with before. So, mm. you mentioned business coming from referrals at the moment. So this is probably going to be my toughest question for you. If you uh, um, to give to, to name your strengths in three words, what what would those three words be? Um, that's, that's a really interesting one. I, I think I I'm I'm not. A, a typical numbers person so i'm i'm quite good at um passing on information to people in a way that they're going to understand it um so it, it's 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 interpretation and translating numbers so that a business owner can can understand them i'm not sure that it, it picks up one word necessarily but mm-hmm. i'm never going to say oh this is how i present a set of accounts because for one business owner, that might be right. For the next business owner, it isn't. And I learned that from, from many, many years ago, working with the architects. You know, mm. Actually, what do architects understand? Well, they understand pictures. Um, and you know, at, in those days, we didn't have all the fancy dashboards and things that we have now. But you know, it was very easy to portray numbers in, in graphical form that, to make them really un- understandable. So, so that's the first thing. I think, I think the next thing is, is I'm a listener. Um, and with lots of people running their own businesses, they don't actually necessarily have somebody to talk to. 
mm. about their issues. I mean, that, that's that's the problem, you know, as a, as a as a sole business owner, I have you you have you have as well, uh, and that's why you're doing you know doing what you're doing. But actually, being able to listen to people and understand get an understanding of where they are and what their issues are, and then reflect back reflect back to them means that I'm in a better position to help them with their finances and plan where you know plan where they want to get to and and the roadmap to getting there you know I'm very much a, a person who, who uses numbers to look forwards rather than look back you know it's numbers are really good at telling us where we've been thank you you know we've been there this is where we are um yeah that's really useful that that's where we've been because that tells us perhaps some of the, the mistakes or things we've done right in the past but now let's use the numbers to, to kind of look forward. Um, so, so li- a, a listener, a, a, an ability to understand, uh, I think, is, is a core skill uh, for, for somebody working with, with, with small business owners. Um, and then the other one, again, it's not work, one word, but it's I know what I know, but I also know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was actually listening to a webinar yesterday um and I'd, ne- I'd never kind of thought of it in this way when you go to your gp you don't expect your gp to be a brain surgeon the the term is exactly right you here's a jet he or she is a general practitioner he's going to know where to signpost you to for a particular problem but his job is to identify potentially where the area of the problem is um and i think you know accountants quite often fall into this into this trap that People go to their accountant and expect their accountant to know everything about tax and everything about accounts and everything about that. Well, no, <laughs> you know, um, but they they will know somebody who does know. Um, and so I, I, you know, I I know I come back to it again. I know what I know, and I'm I am diligent about keeping up to date with developments, etc. You know, I'm, I'm an avid listener to podcasts and webinars, but I also know what I don't know, and hence when I need to talk to somebody else. Uh, and again, I think a lot of business owners feel that they're expected to know everything. You know, mm. they've got people working for them. You know, it's like, well, you don't know that, you know. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, and that's, that's important. Fantastic summary, because actually, if you'd have asked me to name three words about yourself, that would have been very similar from knowing you from, yeah, from the network groups. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think, you know, when we've engaged, I do think you're you're a great listener. Um, but I just I love your honesty. I love your honesty around, you know, you know what you don't know, um, but also, you know, your area of expertise and you in the past look to refer people. And so some businesses don't actually have that clarity, uh, which is fantastic. Um, so in terms of um, let's think about a tip then, what one tip would you share with other entrepreneurs? I think being realistic. Um, I, it, it's so easy to think, oh yeah, okay, you know, and I've, the number of forecasts I've seen people prepare and I've come kind of oh yeah, hello. You know, <laughs> they, people start a business and they have so much belief in their business, quite rightly. And if they didn't have belief in their business, they shouldn't be doing what, what they're doing. And then you see the sales forecast, you know, for the first year and you think, okay, where's that you know where's that coming from how are you going to do that it's just you running the business or it's just the three of you you know by the time you've done this 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 and this how are you going to generate generate those sales so so realism is is really important but also you know alongside self-belief um 
And, uh, you know, I think the job of, of people like yourself and me in working alongside entrepreneurs is to kind of bring that realism to the table uh, without dampening down the enthusiasm and self-belief. Because if you take that away, you know, where, where are you leaving the person on the other side of the table? Yep. Um, so um, it's being realistic about my own prospects, but also being realistic, you know, helping the, the business owner work to a plan that, that they can achieve and they're not going to get to the end of the year of it, end of the year and be totally des desperate that they've got nowhere near what they, what they intended to. But then revisit it again, you know, and look at a realistic plan for the next year and the three years. Yeah, so, keep, yeah it fluid. keep it fluid, keep it realistic. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So what fuels your motivation on a day-by-day -day basis then? Oh, just just being, being inside so many businesses um, and seeing all the different things that, that, that are going on. Um, you know, I, I, I like to be seen as somebody who is part of the business. Yeah, my, my, my litmus test in, in the good old days was, do I get invited to the Christmas dinner or the Christmas party? Um, and if I do, then I'm seen as part of the team. If I don't, it's like, oh, right, I'm, something's not quite right here. So luckily, I've been able to tick that box again in previous years. Obviously, that went a bit out the window last year. Um, so it's I don't want to be seen as a consultant because I think, unfortunately, some people doing what I do adopt a consultancy approach. I'll go in, identify a problem, tell the business what the problem is, tell them how to fix it, and then, then go away. And that's why I've shied away from doing interim work. I've done some you know, specific interim project work because I like to have the long on, ongoing relationship. You know, I think the, the clients I've worked with longest, I think I've been working, yeah, I've been working with them since 2009 um, and kind of seen lots of, up, lots of ups and downs in that business. But it's it's they regard me as their FD and the fact that I trade under Physio Solutions is irrelevant because actually they're, they're, they're dealing with me and they see me as an integral part of, of, of what they do. And that's my aim for every business I'm in, whether it be a one or two man business or my largest client people wise is is a is a law firm up in East Anglia, about 120, 130 people. Um, Interestingly, I only just started working with them just before lockdown last year. Okay. So I think I've met about 10 people in that firm uh, <laughs> physically. Uh, I've spoken to lots of people. But, you know, when I actually do go there, I will not know who most of the people are, you know, apart from a list of names on a phone list. Um, but, yeah, so, it's, it's being part of the business is, is a key thing for me. Yeah, the, the pandemic's certainly shaking up the way that we do business, hasn't it? Mm. So, so what does the what does the next year or the future look like for you now as the, the next part of the journey? So, um, we've taken on uh, a couple of new new businesses recently, and that's kind of that's so that's coming back to my personal capacity point. So, mm. I really have got to focus on on where, where that goes from now, or at least find other people that I'm happy to refer work on to, um, which, which I've done a little bit. Um, we 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 want to grow the the uh, support side of the business as well, which is which is bookkeeping and VAT returns and payroll. Uh, and I have uh, have access to a number of people who who work on a freelance basis for that. I shied away from that for years, saying all I want to do is the FD work. Um, but then found that increasingly over recent years, people were looking for a one stop shop, 
mm -hmm. um, and didn't necessarily have anybody in their business who could do the bookkeeping, etc. So that that's how, how how we got into that. But that's something that can grow independently because that's mm -hmm. not limited by capacity. Uh, conscious though that there are you know lots of really good bookkeepers out there and, and we've referred working to them as well so yeah it's it's growing the business from where it is now um i think covid has actually presented a, an opportunity here because my work used to be governed by geography mm -hmm. so you know for most of my clients i would go and spend a day or a half day with them in their offices uh some as regularly as, as once a week Obviously, with the impact of COVID, I think I've been to clients' offices ooh, four times in the last year. Um, but now it's not, oh, I'm working with you today because it's the second Tuesday of the month. It could be an hour's call on a Monday, um, a couple of hours with a team on, on the Wednesday afternoon. And it, it's being spread out over the course of the week. And that works well for me. It also works really well for the client because it's not, you know, oh, it's second Tuesday of the month. Michael's here. We've got to kind of devote our time to him. Yeah. Um, so to me, that and, and obviously the, the, the time we've all got back by not spending hours traveling. Um, you know, as I say, I've, I've got a, I have a law firm in East Anglia that I work with. Well, you know. <laughs> East Anglia is the other end of the world almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting there is, is, is a challenge. So the opportunity to work with them remotely it has made a big difference. You know, mm -hmm. um, So that, that's an opportunity for me to kind of, maybe I will get to that working four days a week job. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm not a golfer and I'm, that's, so that's not what I'm intending to do. But um, it's, um, yeah, it would be nice just to have that, that space uh, and, and flexibility yeah rugby is your sport isn't it i believe rugby is definitely my sport yeah and, and luckily um you know at, at the top level at least they've been able to carry on playing that and it's all been on television but yeah. and we did we actually we did get to one of the games the um the pilot games where a crowd was allowed in i think it was the, it was the first one and it was very very strange being somewhere with two and a half thousand people yeah uh, but the ironic thing was we lost it was a home game and we lost you know <laughs> put it down to the pandemic yeah, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> super michael thank you for um joining me today for my latest podcast and, and sharing that that journey with us there's some real great tips in there for other entrepreneurs that hopefully are listening to the podcast to, to take away from us today in terms of if people want to engage with you they want to find out a little bit more about what it is you do how would they find that out uh, well we've, we have our website which is um proficiosolutions.co.uk uh, that's the easiest way to find us. Um, my my email is Michael at the same uh, email address, uh, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, so you'll definitely know you found the right Michael Pauly. I, I discovered this week there's another Michael Pauly when somebody inadvertently tagged me on on some happy birthday wishes, uh, and um, so, um, it's it's a reasonably uncommon name, but you'll know you found the right one because they'll be mildly mug up at the top left. At least, at least they tagged you on birthday wishes. That's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Well, thank you again for, for joining us today. Much appreciated. Okay. Thanks very much. Nice to see you again. So this podcast today, you've been listening to my interview with Michael Pauly um, and his entrepreneurial journey, amongst other things about the service and the experience that he offers his clients. Um, as I said during the podcast, I loved his honesty in terms of he knows what he knows um, and he also knows what he doesn't know and how he involves other people to support him and his clients in that way. 
And remember that, that tip that he shared about being realistic. I, I see it myself so often with entrepreneurs in terms of, yes, it's great to be enthusiastic and motivated um, for high performance, but it's about being realistic in terms of perhaps the numbers that you may be forecasting. So really useful tips. And hopefully you've got something from that interview that you've been able to take away today. Um, thank you for listening to my latest Step Change podcast. As always, I hope you found the content interesting, thought-provoking and useful in the development of your own business. Please do subscribe to my podcast via whichever channel that is uh, your preference of listening, and you'll then be one of the first to know when I release my next episode. Thanks again for listening.